Greetings, this is Dr. Gwen. Today is Tuesday, February 3rd, and I have two studies uh, to report on. And the first one is uh, one I think I, I really am interested in, and it's uh, called The Truth About Bioidentical Hormone Therapy, and this was uh, actually reported in the Washington Post on January 30th. And uh, it goes on as such, and you know, I will interject my comments as I go through this. They're marketed as bioidentical hormones or bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and they claim to do everything from helping menopausal women lose weight to preventing senility. They're touted as safer and sometimes even more effective than conventional hormone replacement therapy. But the U.S. Food and Drug Administration warns that these claims are unproven and that the products are potentially dangerous. What's more, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, or BHRT, is a marketing term not even recognized by the FDA. Experts are also um, expressing some concerns about the products. Um, Dr. Suzanne Steinman, who's the director of women and heart disease at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City, says that this isn't, it is not FDA approved. It's the same thing as a hormone. What concerns her is that people believe it's not from a drug company that it's safe. You know, most people think of this as an over-the-counter sort of remedy. Um, that does not mean that it's uh, it's good for you. And then Dr. James Liu, who's chairman of the Department of OB and GYN at McDonald Women's Hospital and Case Medical Center, University Hospitals in Cleveland, said, over-the-counter products that are not listed drugs can make some claims, and they have to be careful about it. Usually these are considered supplements, and th that's a really important point. Anything that's considered over-the-counter, um, it, it has some sort of nutritional component, is considered a nutritional supplement. Um, suffice it to say, there is science behind some of what they say, but there is little lack of science in other things. So it could be that there might be some anecdotal reports, even some small studies that show that there was some success, but certainly not the rigors of the clinical trial that we would expect to endorse this product. And the Endocrine Society issued this position statement back in October 2006, expressing concerns about the products. Bioidentical hormones, particularly estrogen and progesterone, have been promoted as safer and more effective alternatives to more traditional hormone therapies, often by people outside of the medical community. In fact, little or no scientific and medical evidence exists to support the claims. Additionally, Many bioidentical hormone foundations are not subject to FDA oversight and can be inconsistent in dosage and purity. So that's another important point. If it's not under the same rigors of the FDA, it could be that you may be buying a product that's touted to be a bioidentical hormone, whereas it could have just a small amount of the hormone or it could have too much of the hormone, and you could end up with a lot of um, side effects. It was in 2002 that the Women's Health Initiative report um, about hormone replacement therapy came out, and which kind of changed and revolutionized the, the uh, use of hormone replacement therapy. And, you know, ever since then, you know, hormone replacement therapy, you know, there was considered conflicting headlines. It was linked, you know, at the time it was linked to a reduced risk of cancer, colon cancer, fractures. The therapy has also was associated with a higher incidence of breast cancer, stroke, blood clots, and heart attack. And that's really why they advised OBGYNs and um, practitioners to stop immediately the use of hormone replacement therapy. 
And so far, at least, there are no indications that HRT has had any effect on the, you know, the old traditional uh, development of de dementia. You know, there was this idea that HRT stopped dementia, but um, there's no really research that supports that. The not inconsiderable list of potential risks of hormone replacement therapy is left an opening for manufacturers of natural products, which is which is pretty normal. When you take away a drug that was touted as one of the top sellers in the United States, you know, it's big marketing, and you you targeting um, an advancing a group of women in the United States. Well, there's going to be people who see a profit in this, and they develop and promote the natural products. Marketers of bioidentical hormones often say the products are identical to hormones produced by the body and that body and all these all natural pills, creams, naturals, and gels don't carry the risk of menopausal hormone therapies approved by the ADA. Agency approved HRT drugs are typically prescribed to treat symptoms of menopause such as hot flashes and vaginal dryness. But the FDA said it has not approved compounded um, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy drugs and can't cannot assure their safety or effectiveness. Bioidentical really means that the structure of the compound you're claiming to be identical is biologically identical. So in, in hence that it's supposed to be similar to uh, hormone replacement therapy. If it is applied primarily to female, female hormones, then it is considered um, to be used in hormone therapy. Sorry, I have my computer on in the background. Let, let me mute it. Apologize for that. Some of the, um, uh, excuse me, let me go back to this. But the main problem is how a woman would obtain the bioidenticals. If it's pharmaceutical grade, FDA grade, it's prescribed. And plus, it's usually at higher doses. It's just how it's made and it's under the tight controls. Some of the bioidentical hormones are compounded, meaning they are mixed especially to meet an individual needs. For example, some dyes or preservatives may be eliminated if a person is allergic to them, which is, which is a good thing. But again, we would have to ensure that this is under some sort of watchdog, such as the FDA. The pharmacist assumes that responsibility and the physician should specify that on the prescription. So the bioidentical product may not have the exactly the same ingredients as the standard product. But be leery if a pharmacy claims that such compounded mixtures are safer or more effective than other hormone formulations. You know, it's the same old thing. If it's too good to be true, it's not a good thing for you. They may not be mixed according to a licensed healthcare professional's instructions, which means it could be uh, incorrect uh, doses. Who knows what else is mixed in there? It just doesn't have the same controls. And if it could be that they're they're trying to make a profit. Women should be cognizant that both products have similar potencies, similar biological action, and similar side effects. There's no reason to think that bioidentical either anecdotal or testimonial claims that one is better than the other, and we're swayed by that as humans. Here are some specific points that FDA says to keep in mind. Approved hormone therapies are available by prescription only. Bioidenticals will have the same risks as the products they're identical to, namely a heightened risk of breast cancer and serious heart problems. There may be other as yet unknown risks as well. Beware of claims that bioidentical products can be made based on hormone levels measured from a woman's saliva sample. Hormone levels fluctuate constantly. I mean, that has been one of the biggest problems in my area of research, is that by the time we actually get a sample, the hormone levels have changed. And... Uh, 
the saliva samples are a a picture of that moment in time, but that does ne not necessarily give you a full uh, view of the woman's uh, hormones. No drug containing the hormone estriol, the weakest of the three estrogens produced by the body has been approved by the FDA. Only prescribers who have an investigational new drug application compound, can compound drugs with estriol. In general, when using approved hormone replacement therapies, the FDA and healthcare professionals recommend using the lowest dose possible for the shortest period needed. And that's really the important point here, is that that, that was pretty much the recommendations following the 2002 Women's Health Initiative report that um, we're not saying that some women should not use HRT. Early menopause, severe depression, there is indication for HRT. The thing is that it has to be short-term use. Um, I think it's, if I recall, it's anywhere from three to five years. The, for uh, th That's in converse to the use of HRT, which went on for age 45 till, till death. So we have changed things. And I guess the reason I felt so I wanted to really comment on this was related to the recent TV show I saw with Oprah and her, you know, endorsement of bioidentical hormones as well as Susie and Summers. You know, it just, it just pisses me off when uh, actors, actresses, uh, talk show hosts or whoever endorse products uh, based on their own physical uh, needs without endorsing the science behind it. And I also think the FDA needs to look at these. And we, if, if we're seeing that there's a, a demand for this in our, in our society, women are asking for help, we need to do more research and funded research that's not funded from drug companies. The second report is called Weight Loss Reduced Incontinence in Overweight and Obese Women. A new study from the U.S. found that moderate weight reduction helped to reduce urinary incontinence among overweight and obese women. The research was the, uh, the work of Dr. Leslie Subek from the University of California, San Francisco, and colleagues, and it's published online in the 29th January issue of the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, in, their background, in the background information, the authors wrote that obesity was already known to be a risk factor for urinary incontinence. Um, but there wasn't enough evidence on whether losing weight would help obese women with incontinence. For the study, Subak and the investigators randomly as assigned 333 overweight women and obese women diagnosed with urinary incontinence to one of two groups. Most of the women were aged between 40 and 65. The average age was 53, and all were experiencing at least 10 urinary incontinence episodes a week before the study. One group went through an intensive six-month weight loss program comprising diet, exercise, and other lifestyle changes, while the other group just went to structured education classes that told them about the benefit of weight loss. The results showed at the start of the intervention period, the body mass index, which is the weight in kilos divided by the square of the height in meters, and the weekly number of continence episodes were similar in both groups. After six months, the women in the intensive weight loss group had a mean weight loss of 8% compared with 1.6% in the education-only group. The mean weekly number of incontinent episodes went down by 47% in the intensive weight loss group compared with only 28% in the control group. 
So that shows that there was a direct relationship to the amount of weight lost um, and the amount of incontinence episodes. Compared with the control group, the intensive weight loss group had no more significant numbers of urge incontinence episodes a week, but they had significantly fewer of the stress incontinence type. A higher proportion of the women in the weight loss group had a clinically relevant drop of 70% in overall frequency of all stress and urge incontinence episodes. So they concluded that at a six-month behavioral, a six-month behavioral intervention targeting weight loss reduced the frequency of self-reported urinary incontinence episodes among overweight and obese women as compared with the control group. Reduction in urinary incontinence can count may count as one of the more health improvements that moderate weight reduction can bring to women who are overweight. Another reason, ladies, to lose weight. That's all I have for today. Stay healthy, stay happy, and take good care of yourself. This is Dr. Gwen.